Bokatov. Okay, today's stuff is Chafei, and we're just a little behind at this stage. We pick up on Chafei and Amud Bet um, about four, about five lines before the lines get wide. Tanur Rabbanan. Hikaro Eino. So we're still dealing with the Evet Kanani going free when a uh, an eye or a tooth or a, a, a thumb or a, or a toe is cut off. Whatever. We'll see more about that. Okay, so if it, you hit on his eye and it became dim. Al Shino on his tooth and it became loose, so it didn't totally knock it out. If it's still usable, again, I don't know what that means, like he has 20% vision, how much vision does he have to have, okay, but if it's still usable, then he does not go free. If not, he does go free, even though it has not been totally knocked out, it's going to be attached to the body. I mean, we talk about hitting the eye, we don't talk about gouging the eye out, so it's a question about whether it's still usable, and that would be true about the tooth as well. I understand, but that's presumably not what we're talking about, okay? So, at least that's how Chazal understands. If it becomes functionally unusable, how exactly, what exactly is the threshold is not clear. Okay, Tanya Ida, we've done another Brita. Let's say his eyesight was already dim for some ah, but you brought it from being dim to totally blind. His tooth was loose, the hipila, and you knocked it out. So, what's the measure of that? So, it's like the mirror image. If the eye was still, he had some sight still, again, does that mean enough to read? Does that mean what degree? But if anyway, it was still usable beforehand, so then, so then taking it from being dim to blind, you made it from usable to unusable, um, and that uh, he goes free, same with the tooth. Meanwhile, but if it's already unusable, he does not. The tooth, you need to tell me both of these directions, although they're similar points that we measure it by it being usable. Nevertheless, you need to tell me both directions. How you just told me the first that going from a full eye to a not usable eye, but it still was, uh, you know, uh, thank you, but it still was, um, you know, was not totally blind. Um, so, uh, because there you actually did something quite substantial. You made him from a total good eyesight to, you know, marginal eyesight. So that, and, and unusable actually, you know, not even, not even eyesight that he could see, you know, it's no longer, he can no longer see, even if, I mean, whatever, he's functionally blind. Okay, so that's a radical difference. But if you just started with barely visible, you know, barely usable eye, um, you know, like some minimal degree of eyesight, so you didn't start with full eyesight, aim low. So even if, though you brought it to blind, I might think, I got it, I got it, it's fine. I might think that that's, uh, that that's not significant enough for him to go free. The ES meaning ha, and if you had just told me the latter case, so I would have said, Mishum de Samuel because you brought it down to zero. But when you didn't bring it down to zero, when you brought it just down to not usable, but still not to zero, so aim low. Maybe he wouldn't go for you. You need to tell me both cases. Okay. Can we not, because I want to keep on moving. We're, okay. Tana Rabbanan. So Rabbi's taught. Let's say his master was a, his owner was a doctor, and he said, I need you to apply some, uh, you know, some ointment in my eye. That's what this kachal is. It's some type of a powder or ointment that was put in the eye. And accidentally, he, uh, he blinded him. So he was trying to help him, but accidentally he blinded him. He tried to, I don't know, like fill a cavity or something. And accidentally he knocked the tooth out. So, he laughs in the master's face and he goes free. Okay, so it doesn't matter if he was trying to help. It matters that the end result was he knocked out the eye. The verse says that he destroys it, which describes not just the result, but the nature of the act and the intent of the act. It's only an act that he's trying to destroy it. Now, presumably, that would also include an act of violence. He smacks the slave in the, you know, in the face. He wasn't trying to knock out the tooth, but it was an intentional act of violence done to the slave. But what it is excluding is a case of trying to help the slave, something that is therapeutic, which accidentally then knocks out the tooth. That would not be good. You know, what? That's about whether it's hit directly or not. This is about what the, whether, what the intent was, what the nature of the act was. Was the act a violent act against, against the body of the slave, or was it a helping the slave that led to the same <coughs> thing? 
Okay? So the rabbis, who don't require that it be an act of violence, right? They say even if you try to help, what do they do? What's the intention of Vishikata, which seems to describe the, the nature of it as a destructive act? So, like we turn in the Bryce, Rebbe Eliezer on there. Let's see. Let's say your maidservant was giving birth, and you were a doctor, and you were trying to help her give birth, and you stuck your hand inside, you know, of her to try to take the baby out. And in the process of trying to take the baby out, you blinded the eye of the baby. Okay. Now that's already interesting that this baby could go out before he's even born, right? That it has that independent status, right? That the whole question of ubi yerch imo and at what stage during childbirth is the baby considered independent or not? Anyway, but let's but we're assuming that the baby could in theory go born, uh, go free. Nevertheless, patur. Why? My time. So the phrase v'shachata here is a little misleading because this is the rabbanan that are saying you don't have to do it as a destructive act. But the difference here is that you're not doing, you're not even relating to the eye itself, right? You're just trying to grab the uber, you're not seeing the eye, you're not even relating to the eye at all. Now it is interesting, like let's say you're not relating to the eye again, you smack the guy in the face and it knocks out a tooth, right? Presumably you're not punching the tooth, you could punch him in the face and knock out a tooth, right? So, um, so is that, you're not mitkaveen to the tooth, you're mitkaveen to the face? So it's not exactly clear what the line is, but I guess, you know, something like that would sort of be a type of a, you know, enemy's carbon secretia type of a thing, right? If you're hitting in that area of the face, that's intending to do. But you're not even seeing the fetus, you're not even aware that you're anywhere near the eye area of the fetus or anything of that nature. That makes it a completely different act. That's what no, 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 no. That issue was that you weren't even hanging around the face. Rashi says, like, you hit nearby on the wall. And that was another question about mavit. You don't have to actually, I mean, if you hit here, right, what, it's like a chatzitza between your, between your hand and the tooth? That's not enough, right? If somebody, I mean, let's say, I don't know, let's say somebody who tries to protect himself and he put up his hand against his eye and he bangs his hand into his eye. That's, I don't think that's negative, you know. That's like directly hitting his eye, you know. But um, Rashi seems to be the said that the other thing was you hit nearby and he got scared or something. Um, anyway, all right. So the mercy, but uh, so the mercy is like this. Um, okay, the idach. So pater, my time. I'm going to go to the idach. Me v'shachat v'shichatad nafka. No, could have said v'shachat. Why say v'shichatad to tell you even a case of even a case where you directly, you know, uh, uh, tried to do so, uh, w- w- even the case where the person was already like born and alive and you were trying to do something on the eye. As long as you weren't trying to hurt the eye, it's okay. Uh, and the other one says that he doesn't think that's a double language. Okay, but that's interesting that the particularly, I mean, I think Rabbi Shimon Leo's position is a very logical one. It has to be fundamentally a violent act. Whereas the Rabbanans say it does not as long as you're trying to do something to the eye or to the tooth. Amr of Um the chitata. Now let's say that was right. Let's say he was already functionally blind, because we've been talking about making him blind, right? Making the tooth unusable. Let's say he's already blind, but what you did is you you, you gutted the eye out. So you actually remove the eye from the socket, right? So that's changing the body, but not making it less functional. Okay? So that so the Gemara says he does go free. Okay? Um, so, my time, because he's lacking a limb, and that's also considered to be a fundamental change of the body, even though it's not a functional difference. Right. Well, the Gemara doesn't say that, but yes. Okay? The Tanatuna, we taught, uh, uh, you know, a bright uh, um, that supports this. Tamut, um, or the brightest, Tamut Vizachus Bivema, Vain Tamut Vizachus Bofos. It says, you know, by the beginning of a yikra, it says, the hard tamim, you know, it describes the animals that you bring for sacrifices. So the requirement that it be male and that it be unblemished is only by, like, uh, sheep and goats and cows. By bird sacrifices, it never says the hard tamim. So it can be female, it can be blemished, etc. I mean, there's some, there's some larger animals that can also be female, but certainly there's no requirement that it be unblemished. Yochol, Yafshagapa. I might think that if the wing has totally, um, I don't know, it's dried up, I mean, withered, you know, its leg is cut off, its eye is, is, is gouted out, um, gorged out, it, um, um, it would still be kosher, because there's no halacha about unblemished. It says, if you bring your sacrifice from the birds, below kohov, not, not all birds, okay, so some birds are excluded. Which birds are excluded? Okay, so somehow we are assuming 
saying that since there's a, a, an idea of I don't know Eber that substantively changes it, it's not just that it's imperfect, but it's seen as something fundamentally a different type of a thing that would be substantive enough that the slave would go free even if the eye was already blind. Okay, so um, all right, uh, so let's take a look. Um, uh, and Rashi says, if you look at Rashi, Rashi assumes, Alma says Rashi, Afagav dismuya me'ikara. Rashi says the idea of the gouging out the eye could be even if the bird was already blind, because it could be a, a bird, we said it could be blemished. So it could already be blind. And nevertheless, somehow the final thing of gouging it out is considered to be substantively different. Okay. What? I know. I know. Yeah. So that, that is a good point. But again, withered is not just not functional. That somehow seen as already, you know, like imagine that a person has like, uh, you know, lep- uh, leprosy or gangrene or whatever, like, and a limb is actually, you know, so that's not just an issue of not functional. Um, oh, hi. Why we can't get in? <laughs> I forgot my keys. Let's say he had an extra finger and you cut off an extra finger. So you still cut off a limb. Okay, it doesn't matter that it was an extra limb. No, but that would only be if, like, you would hold up the hand and you would count it and you say, one, two, three, four, five, six. Like, you know, it would be continuous with the other fingers, so then it's considered part of your hand. And it's considered, this person has six fingers and you cut off one of his fingers. But if it's somehow sticking in a way that clearly it's not counted together with the fingers of the hand, then that's considered, I don't know, some hanging, you know, it's not considered a finger. Okay, and we're going to, so it's, it's only if you cut off, as we'll see in a minute, what constitutes the limbs that actually you would go free. Okay. Sabe de Nizunya, now the elders of this place, Nizunya, lo also the Pirkei de Rav Chizda, they didn't come to Rav Chizda's shear. So Rav Chizda said to Rav Amnuna, go put them in like, a, like, put them in private, which basically is a nice way of saying, like, uh, put them in a, in Cherem, put them in Nidoy, okay? You know, they should be, uh, put into, uh, go sanction them in some way. That's what I could do when my students don't come to my field. Okay? <laughs> so he went and he said to them, so you see if Rabbi Doe was here, he appreciates this, because rather than just, uh, you know, he wants to find out what's at the heart of it. So Amr, he went and he said to them, my time why did the rabbis not come to the, uh, to the learning, to the shir? So let's try to understand, you know, what's motivating the students who are not showing up to, my, to the shir. Okay. Amr Lehi, they said to him, am I, why, am I Nathan, why should we come? We asked something from him and he didn't resolve it for us. Okay, maybe they were saying that's an ongoing problem, like he doesn't answer our questions. Have you ever asked me something I didn't answer for you? So, so meaning like, ask me your questions. Okay, which I'm not exactly is an answer to why they should go to the shear if the rabbi is, if the rebbe isn't answering the questions. But anyway, ask me your questions. So, so they said, so, uh, I'm sorry. So they asked him. Let's say a slave was um, made a uh, uh, castrated by the um, testicles, which is, and he didn't cut off the testicles, but he crushed them or something of that nature. Okay. So mahu, what's the story? dummy. Is that like a visible um, blemish? Because we said on the one end, it's true. We said that it's enough to make something unfunctional. You don't have to cut it away from the body, like the eye. On the other hand. The Torah speaks about the eye and the tooth, and we're going to see in a minute that it refers that we're, we're going to include any type of a visible limb, the limb that's externally visible, right? If he goes, he sticks his hand inside of the his throat, and he, you know, I don't know, whatever he does, you know, let uh, pulls out his tonsils or something like that, right? That's an internal injury, you know. It could be drastic, but he wouldn't go free, right? Okay, it has to be something that's an external limb. So this, the limb is external, but the injury is not really visible, right? Because you know you don't see the crushed testicle, for example. Okay, so I mean, I wonder if I wonder if always blinding an eye is visible to the other person, right? You know, you can imagine hitting the eye and it and it loses its sight, and another person wouldn't be able to see that. Doesn't necessarily mean when you're you know unclothed versus clothed. Right. Right. Internal versus external. Right. That's the right. Thank you. That's the better way to say. Now the other thing could also be not just that you can't see like that the testicles are crushed, but you can't see the testicles themselves. That might also be related, right? You can sort of, you can see their shape. You can't actually see the testicles. What? That's part of it now being unfunctional. Yes, but it has to be, you have to do that to an an external limb, to a limb that is visible. Okay, you've got to a limb that's not visible. So take a look at Rashi. Kimumu Shabagoli Dami, Rashi says, last of the lines from the top, Sharei Tzluyim Bikis, 
Vini right in the scrotum, Vini Karim Bibachutz, Allah Hovitzmuni Kohati. So it seems like Farashi's right. The question is not just is the injury visible, because one could imagine you blind an eye, the injury is not visible. But the question is, is the limb considered to be visible? Right? How visible is that limb? And it has to be only to an externally visible limb. Okay? Right, that would not go for you. Exactly. But that's obvious, because but here, the kidney is completely internal. I mean, it's not obvious with, you know, a priori, but to the Gemara, once it assumes there has to be an externally visible limb, but here the limb itself is only like, you, you know, you sense its shape, but you don't totally see the limb. So is that considered to be visible, or a visible limb or not? Okay? Um, Olay. So he didn't know the answer, so you gotta love the irony. Did you ever ask me anything I didn't answer? Oh wait, I don't know the answer that way. So love the Mashimcha. They said to him, What's your name, buddy? You you, you were sent by uh Ravuna. Amulu Hamnuna, my name is Hamnuna. Amrulay, they said to him, Love Hamnuna Elakarnuna. Your name shouldn't be Hamnuna Elakarnuna. So what Sarachi says it means like a Yoshe Kronos, which means like, you know, you're a lazy bum. You know, you know, you don't even know the answer. you don't know the answer. So they were very demanding, right? The rabbi doesn't answer our question, you don't know the answer, this or that. Anyway, Tosu says it's a not it's the plan which is the word Nuna means a fish. So Hamnuna sounds like Hamnuna, like a nice hot fish. And they said, You're not a hot fish, you're a cold fish. Mm-hmm. You're a <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. Anyway, also the comment Rev Christa. So he went to Rev Christa and he said, Here's why they said they weren't coming and anyway they asked me question, I didn't have the answer. So Amr Lays, Rev Christa said, Masnisa Bominak, what they're asking you is effectively a Mishnah. Nah, we taught a Mishnah. Now by the way, you have got to the point that now we're gonna forget about these these old, these guys who didn't come to the Shia, but you have to point like the irony that Rav Huna did answer the question, but he answered it to Rav Huna. Presumably he wasn't, I don't know, responding to them. They probably sounded like they were a tough crowd. So maybe he didn't want to, okay, but anyway, it's quite fascinating, the whole dynamic. Anyway, what's the answer to this? We can get it from the Mishnah. Nan. Um, ah, it's very much connected to this parsha, right? So the halacha is, is that it says So he the, the, the spot has to be visible to the eyesight of the kohen. So if it is on a um, sloped limb, like on a finger, and tip the fingertip, and part of it is goes here and part of it goes here, you can't see all of it together at the same time. I mean, you know, I guess you know, it'll be impossible to see all of it in one look. So that would not be a that would not be a sarat, okay? So what we're going to deal now with is the limbs of the body that are sloped. Not exactly the same as the other. Ever you don't care about sloped or not. Here it's about whether it's visible. But we're going to be identifying the sort of like limbs of the body, okay? So well, that's also true. Twenty-four of the heads of the limbs, ain't because of the sloping sort of the slope on both sides. If it has this sign of sarat, this michya, this healed space spot, it's not a problem. So the ten toes and ten fingers, that's twenty. The sort of edge of the ear, if it went from one side of the ear, went over, you know, the edge to the other side. Okay, that's twenty-two. The nose, which I don't really get, because if something is like this on the nose, you can sort of see it. Can't you? Maybe it means like a, maybe it's down here and then going up here or something. Anyway, okay. Uh, so that's 23. The top of the penis. That's 24. By a woman, it would be the tops of the breast. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, even for a man. And the Chachamim feel that that's not sloped enough or protruding enough to be, to be that issue. Okay, what does that have to do with us? Any of these, a slave would go free. These are all external limbs that could be cut, broken off. Okay, or broken at least. I mean, you know, the nose could be broken and so on. So the slave would go free. So okay. These 24 plus the iron Right. Okay, ready, Omer. Right. Now, also, plus, if cut off the whole leg, you know, obviously that would be something cut off the arm. Right? I mean, what, say, somebody already was a, uh, had an amputated foot, so you're not also cutting off the toes, and then you cut off, yeah, you cut it off at the knee. Right? Presumably that's also, right? Okay. Ready, Omer, Alpha Cirrus. Even now, presumably we're not going any. We're, we're going because we're not. We're, we're, we're talking about the injury here, so we're not talking about sarat anymore. Now we're talking about a slave going free. Even somebody who castrated. Benazay Omer Afalashon, cutting off the tongue. Oh, that's interesting. Amar So now let's look at those two opinions. And clearly, we're talking at least the Cirrus, as we're talking about the slave. Rebbe Omer Afasirus. Cirrus to my. What, what what did you castrate? Ilayim a cirrus to give the penis. Hainu We already mentioned that, right? That the penis was one of the Rashi Evarim. 
It must be the testicles. So you see that uh, that's considered to be a, uh, that's your answer, that that makes a slave go free. Now you could say, what if you completely cut them away and remove them? So again, the question is, seems to be not that the injury is invisible, but that the limb itself was not fully visible. So if you see that by castrating the testicles, a slave would go free, it shows you that the testicles are considered to be a visible limb. Okay? We'll get to the time. Okay? So that's, anyway, that's the answer to our question, that they are considered to be a visible limb, at least according to Rebbe. Okay? But maybe Ben Azai or the Tanakama argues. Okay? Rebbe Omer Afasiris. So now we're going to continue. Now, fine. That we've answered our question, but now we're going to keep on going. Even Sirus. Rebbe, uh, even to the ones you added, but he didn't say the tongue. That was Ben Azai. Rebbe, Lush and Lush, would Rebbe say that the tongue is not considered cutting the tongue if he wouldn't go free? Um, I'll ask you on this. Um, um, there's another discussion about the tongue. Is the tongue considered an externally visible part of the body or not? Okay. You were sprinkling the ashes of the paraduma. Now, the paraduma, the ashes, they don't have to t- cover your whole body. As long as one little bit of the water with the ashes of the paraduma touches some part of your body, you're tahor. But it has to be an external part of your body. If you opened your mouth and it went into your mouth, it wouldn't count. So what if it goes on your tongue? Okay? <laughs> Did it touch an external part of your body or an internal part of your body? You, 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 your you stuck out your tongue. Anyway, I read that you were sprinkling the water with the paraduma ashes. The nitze. Hazah apiv, and it touched his mouth. Now we're not yet at the tongue, mm-hmm. the mouth. We'll see what that we'll see what that means in a minute. Rebbe Omer hizah that counts. The chami momin lo hizah does not count. My lava alishenot doesn't even mean the tongue because it was just the lips. Of course, the lips are external, and you see that for Rebbe the tongue is considered a external visible part of the body. So the Gemara says lo alsvatav. Nope, maybe we're talking about lips. The lips pita. Obviously, that would be external. And you could also ask why would the chami say it wouldn't count? No. Sometimes you like, you know, like a, a purse your lips together um, or smack them together. So, you know, like this. So the, the, the red of the lips isn't visible because you're like closing them and keeping them out together. Tamash Malan, that no, since most of the time they're visible, it's visible. It would make the Chachamim's position bizarre. And sometimes you close your lips, it's not. Anyway, but the Gemara is going to move beyond that. Fatanya, no, you can't say that. We have a writer that says, Al no. Explicitly, that Rebbe says that the ashes of Parduma on the tongue count as on the external part of your body. The Otan, we also taught a Brisa, the Shemito Rov HaLashon. And if the majority of the tongue is removed, then that's considered to be a Mum. Okay, a Mum also, by an animal, is only if it's a blemish, an external blemish. Okay, if an animal has some, some, something, an internal thing, and it's not a trefa, it's not a mum. So, Rebbe says, if the majority of the tongue of an animal is removed, it's a blemish. So, again, you see that's considered external. Um, I'm sorry, rovalashon. The, the, the Tanakhama says the majority. Rebbe omer rovalashon. It's the talking part of the tongue, which means, yeah. apart from, no, uh, from, what's this, what's that thing called that keeps your tongue, what? I'm sorry? Eula? Yeah, the eula. So anyway, from the part from where that, 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 the eula towards the front, that's considered yeah. Hamadaber. Okay? So I guess it's, I'm, I'm, I guess that's the one that, right. So anyway, so anyway, Rebbe says that's the part that's defined as the tongue or that's defined as external. So anyway, you see for Rebbe a tongue is external. So if a tongue is external for Rebbe and both for the ashes of the paraduma and for a mum, why would he say that it is not, an evid does not go free, assuming that they all have the same definition? So, um, so the Gemara says, Ella, fine. Rebbe omesiris vilomi And fine. When Rebbe says, um, cas- you know, castrated with testicles, it would, and certainly the tongue. You know, the tongue, at least you see the tongue. You never actually see the testicles. So Rebbe says, when he says the castrated, he means, and, you know, it goes without saying that the tongue would, the evid would go free. Benazi omer lashon. And Benazi says, no, only the tongue, not the testicles. So the issue of the testicles is a debate of Rebbe and Benazi. So the Gemara says, one minute. Avalashon lo? So Benazi would reject the tongue idea? Umay af? So why does Benazi say af halashon? He just said it said only halashon. So akamaisa. No, af is adding to the Tanakhama's list. Tanakhama only has 24. Rebbe added sirus, which means sirus plus lashon. And Benazi said af lashon. He's not adding to Rebbe. He's going back to the Tanakhama. I'm going to add lashon to the Tanakhama's list. So with Rebbe, that goes without saying. But he, that's what he's doing. Right. So the, anyway, the, but the Gemara says that this is a very confusing way of writing the Brayta. Yahi nachinei benazi bereisha. The Shiddha said is, Tanakhama should have said 24, Benazi should have said afalashon, and then Rebbe should have said afasirus. And right? Because then Rebbe is including even more than a Benazi. So the Gemara says, no. Tanakhama similar to Rebbe, the Kava. 
originally we didn't know about Benazai's position. It's so funny. Who's the Tanas? Not Rebbe. Rebbe. Rebbe Yudanazi is the one who's writing. Anyway, maybe it's Rebbe. Maybe it acknowledges that there could be a later author, you know, who, you know, who, um, you know, of the Mishnah that whatever, you know, you know, later than Rebbe, because there are Mishnahs that were edited later than Rebbe. So first you had a Mishnah that actually had Rebbe's position and didn't, wasn't, didn't know about Benazai. Okay? So it just had Rebbe saying, Hasirus. Um, and then it heard that Ben-Azai had said, Ah-Hasirus, going on the Tanakhama, not going on Rebbe, but you already had the Mishnah with Rebbe. So you weren't going to insert an azai in the middle of the Mishnah. You tagged him on to the end. Okay? So Vitani, uh, Vitani, you mentioned a little you didn't change the original form of the Mishnah. Baki says, once you learn the text in one way, it's hard to relearn it in another way. So then Azai got tagged on to the end, even though the af is a little confusing, because according to the way the Gemara is reading it, he's more limiting than Rebbe, not more than Rebbe. Anyway, what we said is... Right, Sarada is a separate discussion. Right. Right, especially if it's an orally memorized text. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so um, okay, so now the Gemara has said that Sirius effectively is a debate of Rebbe and Ben Azai. Okay, but now we're going to actually discuss a little bit more about this issue of the tongue, which is interesting. Okay. Now the Gemara says like this: Amar Ula said Ula, Hakol Modim Belashonim in Tuma the Galilu Everybody agrees for the tongue. If it comes to here's another halacha: if you touch a tummy object with an in the inside of your body and not the outside of your body, you're t- not tamei. So if somebody basically, if you were, you know, took a piece of nazela and stuck it into the inside of your cheek, right, and no part of your external part of your body touched it, you would not be tamei. Okay? Because it says, so it's learned from that puzzle that says, Yadavlo shutaf famayim, so that means that it has to be like touching with the hands, with an external part of your body. If you swallow, if you swallow, right, nivlas, that's a special love of nivlas oh. <coughs> Clay that were the inside and the outside. Oh, right. The uh, clay is only tame on the inside. That's a good point. Okay. Okay. By the way, it's also true in the reverse. If there's something coming inside of your body, so you might discuss it. Let's have a ring that touched a dead body or something, and somebody swallowed it. Okay. It would not be. It would not cause tumah even under an ohel or whatever. Okay. But anyway. But here we're talking about touching the tummy thing. So if your tongue touches a tummy thing, everybody considers that it's that it's considered like you touched it. Eitz al hashir. It's like simple, like like by touching it dead rodent. My time, Ashir ye gabo, Amarachmana, because then it talks about touching a tummy object, it says touching it. So it's like, you know, you use your tongue to touch things. You can touch things with your tongue. Okay? So it's a natural way of doing it. You know, you can do it. So therefore, even though you could say the object of the tongue might be somewhat of an internal object, because it's kept in your mouth most of the time and it's not seen externally, nevertheless, here the emphasis is on an act of touching. So when it comes to an act of touching, we say normally an act of touching requires touching with an external part of your body, not an internal, but seen through the lens of an act of touching, the tongue is definitely a way to touch. And therefore, from that lens, it's considered an external part of your body. Because look, a tongue sometimes is physical. Okay? And everybody would agree when it comes to going into the mikvah, where the water has to touch the, ex- you know, the external surface of your body, you have to open up your mouth and have it touch your tongue. So everybody says, no, that's considered something buried in your body and not external, and does not have to come in contact with water. My time, what's the reason? Because you shall wash your flesh with water. The same way your flesh is external, everything is external. Now, okay, but again, but the tongue is considered, ex- so the tongue isn't external. But again, but you said it was external when it came to touching, so uh, the bigger difference is that fundamentally we start with, an or- it's not as external as your skin, right? Your skin is obviously there, but also, I think as I said before, or what Gabar said, you know, the, the emphasis of, of, of touching is an act of touching. There clearly a tongue is in that category. But when it's a question about similar to your skin, you know, that type of surface area and external surface area, not. So why are you, are you told to brush your teeth before going to the mikvah? Well, we're going to get to that, actually. Okay. Um, so, um, now Rashi has another reason, because Rashi is still bothered. Why do we assume that this is telling you a different definition? So in addition to the emphasis on the act of touching, Rashi says, if you look at Rashi about six lines from the bottom, Rashi says, you can't get your whole tongue out, okay, or covered up. So actually that's like another logic. If we were to say the tongue was external, it would have to touch all of the surface of your tongue, which is infeasible. 
but you do it, but you do an act of touching, you can touch with part of your tongue. Okay. So anyway, so for 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 touching tuma, your tongue is external, and for tefila, it's internal. Okay. Now, lo nechleku. This is such a nice way of framing the debate. Elinin hazaa. When it comes to this issue about the sprinkling of the water with the ashes of the paraduma. Um, Rebbe medamile latuma. Rebbe says it's like tuma because you're coming to be matire something from being tamei. So therefore, it, the tongue is included, and any, if it touches the tongue, it's okay because the tongue is an, an external object for purposes of, of becoming tamei. Verabanan medamilu tvila. No, you're becoming tahor here, not tamei, and therefore the tongue is not considered an external. So the, the water touching of the tongue doesn't work. The Travayu Baha'i cry commitly. They debate the following Pasuk. Vizatahor alatameh. The Torah person shall sprinkle on the Tameh. Rebbe Savar, Vizatahor alatameh, biyomashri shiyu, biyomashri i, vichitao. And then there's another verb, sprinkle, and he purifies him. So you see, it emphasizes, there's no connection yet to an act of Tavila, but it emphasizes the word Tameh. So it's like you become Tameh. It's your tongue is the object of, of becoming Tameh. So the Haza works on the tongue. Rabbanan Savri, no, vichitao, biyomashri i, vichibes, bigadavar, chatpamayim. If the puzzle ends with going to the mikvah. So therefore, it's like going to the mikvah, and the tongue is internal for that purposes. Okay, so it doesn't count when the, it goes on the tongue. How, why don't they compare it to tuma? The beginning of the puzzle is, right, vizator al Okay? No, tara mitara havile If they'd rather learn a process of purifying, going to the mikvah purifies, the water with the paraduma ashes purifies. So we'll say that if the tongue is considered internal for one, it's internal for both. Um, how about Rebbe? Why doesn't he make that comparison? No, because there's another verb before it gets to going to the mikvah. It says, So clearly we're on to a different topic in the puzzle when we talk about Tevila. So we're not going to compare it to Tevila. We're going to compare it to Tuma and say the tongue is considered external. Okay. Now the question is like this. Here's Michael's question. Can you really say that the tongue is considered to be like, you know, buried, whatever, not external, um, and doesn't have to get the mikvah water? There was a story with a maidservant in Rebbe's household. She went to the mikvah, presumably um, in order so that she, when she handled the food, she would not make a tame. And when she came out, there was a little bone... Right? Yeah, there was a bone. That's true, guys. He wasn't a Kohen. There was a little bone that was between her teeth. Okay, the Rebbe said, "Go back to the mikvah." So you see, the mikvah water presumably has to touch the in- cover the inside surfaces of the mouth. So the says, "No." We don't need water, mikvah water to actually come in contact with the inside of the mouth. Which this is called Beit Hastarim, by the way. Beit Hastarim is the places which are like orifices, you know, that water something could come into, but they're not surface area. Okay. Also, I'll include it would be, um, you know, would be let's say I guess you know the opening of the anus, the opening of the vagina, the uh, eye. I mean, underneath the eyelid or something like this. Right in your in yeah, right inside of your ear. ear would be a better example, right? So those are considered to be. Well, yeah, you don't have to keep your eyes open when you go underwater, right? Which is actually interesting because you can actually see the eye, right? But it's considered still beta sterine because I, because the eyelid tends to cover it. Okay. Actually, not only that, if they're interested, there's even something of beta kmatin, which is the natural folds of your body. That if right, that if something is actually, if water doesn't even have to get into a surface, it's naturally just not, you know, that's naturally not visible because of a, a, a natural like bodily fold. Right? Right. So anyway, um, exactly, exactly. Um, so anyway, but even though water doesn't have to come into contact with it, it needs to be free of chatisa. <coughs> it needs to be able to have water come in contact with it. Okay, kid Rebbe Zayer, like Rebbe Zayer, I'm a Rebbe Zayer. Call a royal labila and bila makevetzo, but she ain't a royal labila bila makevetzo. So this is the famous teaching. The halacha is that if you say a min, if you're going to bring a mincha of sixty isaron, so then you uh, then that's fine. But you cannot even if you don't mix it with the oil. Because we say that that's at least theoretically mixable with the oil. But if you say you're going to bring one of 61 Isaron, then you have to divide it into two minchas, because that's not even theoretically mixable. Okay, so it has to be fit to be mixed with the oil. It doesn't have to be, but it has to be fit to be. Here too, it has to be fit for the water to come in contact, but it doesn't have to actually be 
Now, Tosus asks the obvious question, which is, how do you know when the Torah actually demands that it be, that something be done, and how do you know when it's enough that it just be fit for it to be done? Like, why don't we say, well, I don't know if that's to pick up my lulav, it just has to be fit for being picked up, right? <laughs> how do you decide when it needs to really be done? So Tosus says, well, partly it has to do with the question about if the Torah is actually telling you to do an act, like to take your lulav, you've got to do the act. But if the Torah is telling you about, like, the Mincha is a good example, because the Mincha says, Balul Bashemen, it's describing the object of the Mincha. It's something mixed with, with oil. It doesn't tell you you must mix it. So mixed could mean that that describes the nature of the object. So if it has that potential, that's enough to satisfy the nature of the object. Okay, now how about the Beit HaStarim? That's, like, less clear. But, um, so Tosa says, if you look at the year, Chafem Bet, Tosa says like this, um, um, the Yesh Lamar, it's about eight lines before the word Behemah, before the next Tosos. Okay, it says, lowly by, it says, the Yesh Lamar, Devara Yishina HaKasav Balul Kama Pamim. It says the word mixed many times. Lines of the word Balul here. Ava Lokasav Lashen Sivuy. Okay, so it means it doesn't say you must, it's just describing it. Okay, how do you know that this middle stage, fit but it doesn't have to happen? The is coming to include even the Beit HaStarim. So that tells you that's on the one hand. But, um, but then, you see, v'yadav, but there's another person that speaks about the hand. Mayadav mivrai, afkol mivrai. Umamatina beit ha-starim. So we have like a contradiction. One emphasizes external. The call is saying internal. So the way we resolve those different things is we say, well, it means it doesn't have to actually come in contact, but it has to be fit for coming into contact. Okay, so that's a fascinating question about when do you say something is in this middle step. It doesn't have to happen, but it has to be fit for it happening. Some we've shown him say that because they can't explain, like they don't buy Tosis' answer, and they can't explain why by Tevila, because Tevila says, you are Tova. It speaks about an act of Tevila. It's not like the uh, Mincha, where it describes the nature of the Mincha, Balul. It says, you are Tovel. So a number of we've shown him say that the only way to explain Beit HaStarim is to say that it's only Jerabanan. That if it was a Doraisa need for Beit HaStarim, then it wouldn't, then you would really need it to come in contact with water. Okay, but so, so according to number Rishon, Beta Starim is only Durabana. That's all, as I said, that's in general an interesting question about when do we say partial is enough, when do we say, uh, you know, potential is enough, and when do we say that you really need it to take place. Meaning, it was only Rabbanan, she really was a Right. Yeah, I mean, no, it's Rabbanan, but Rabbanan said that it's puzzle even to the other. But there, there are cases where an issue does come up that's very relevant for posting dealing with Shayla, like somebody who has an ear infection and needs to have something in their ear or whatever other types of things. So, you know, Ravadio Seif really mostly follows the approach of Beta Star Mr. Rabbanan, which gives him, like, more latitude. Which isn't to say that uh, immediately Bidiyavid you could say, okay, but Bidiyavid, the general law of Bidiyavid is not good, but it means that then you can rely on certain shitos, you know, to say it's okay. Well, all right. Brace, brace. brace is all those questions. Okay, now, Kitanoi. This issue, back to whether a uh, crushed testicles is considered a visible moom or a moom on a visible limb, the Gemara says is a debate of Tanayim. And this is the pasuk by by a blemish. Umauch the katut v'natuch the karut. So bruised and crushed and uh, detached and totally severed. Kulam debatesim. All of this refers to the testicles. Diber Rabbi Yehuda. That's what Rabbi Yehuda says. The Gemara says debatesim below begid only the testicles. I mean, you know, and not in the actual Venus itself. Ella kulam afdebatesim. Even the testicles. Diber Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Leizer ben Yaakov. No, kulam begid only on the Venus, on the testicles that would not be considered visible. Again, it's not like you know you couldn't say that see that something happened to the testicles, but presumably the limb is invisible. Okay, so since the limb, I mean, I guess if there's something is if 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 the scrotum was detached, that would be a different story. That's visible. But if something happens to the testicles without it happening to the scrotum, and therefore, as he would say that that's not considered a visible limb. Okay? And therefore, it's not a mum. Um, uh, so, the ma'uch, the katut, the crush, that applies even to the to the uh, t- to the testicles, to the uh, because somehow that is somehow visible, whereas the natuch and karut, the detached, not. Now, to us it's funny. Detached seems like the most visible, mm-hmm. but that's if you're thinking about the scrotum being detached. 
If you think about the testicles being detached inside of the scrotum, so you're saying, well, that's not so visible to the external eye. But if you think about them somehow being crushed, maybe, again, if, I, I'm not exactly clear. If you look at Rashi, um, Rashi says, Ma'uzu team Maybe because, again, the shape changes. So you could see a difference in the nature of the shape if they've been crushed as opposed to detached. But it does raise the interesting question. Are we talking about the limb being visible? Then you can't distinguish between what injury occurred to it. If the limb as it wasn't visible, then it's never visible. He seems to be questioning whether the injury is visible, okay, at least for the issue about the mum, right? What makes an animal a mum could be is the injury visible, whereas what makes, an an, what makes a slave go free, that might have to do with what type of limb we're talking about. So not exactly clear you can equate the two. Okay, moving on. Now, we're done with... Uh, well, that was a very uh, uneasy subject to end with, but whatever. Anyway, we're done with human beings as objects of kinyanim, whether they're considered like Ishus, which is something that may be moved from Kenyan to be something much more about status and not about Kenyan at all. Kevetili, which is a little bit of a Kenyan, like Gufo Konoi, but very much like a Sakhia. Tunevetnani, which is totally like property. On the other hand, he doesn't lose his human status, but there is a full property identity to him. And now we move away from human beings to animals. Okay, still livestock, there's a life, not inanimate. Okay, but now that's the next stage. Let's take a look. A large animal, like a cow or a horse, as opposed to a sheep or goat, you are coned by misira, which is handing over the uh, reins or handing over the, uh, taking hold of the, uh, of the saddle or something of that nature. And the, uh, the small animals, like the, she- the grazing, the sheep and the goats, that's by lifting it up, because they can be lifted up. That's what Rebbe Meir said. Let me read it. Let me talk about it. No. A small animal is Meshicha, not Behagba. Now, there's a lot of interesting questions here. Okay? What, um, let's start with the following, which is... Uh, I'll just do, do, do a brief one. I'll, be, I'll sort of summarize these, these big posts in. The brief one about Mesira is a question about um, that... Um, uh, can you just, it's just grabbing hold, is that Mesira? Mesira suggests handing over, okay? And there's a Gemara that actually says that you can't be Kona a lost object with Mesira. This indicates that you actually need to be handed over by the owner, which makes sense if you're not moving it, and you, you know, so the, there's a meaningful act of handing the reins over, okay? But Tosus discusses there are other Gemaras that make it sound that you don't need to physically hand over the reins. So Tosus actually says that when the owner says, Lech Chazek Ukni, okay, that counts as, that verbal instruction to tell you to do it counts as an act of handing over. So if I say to Michael, Michael says, will you sell me your towel? Say, sure, how much? $100, great, deal. Okay, and then Michael goes and grabs it. So even though it's clear I've agreed to sell it to him, that's not Mesira. But if I say, go take hold of the reins, and he takes hold of the reins, I don't have to physically hand it over. Okay, so that's at least what Tosin says. That's at least that's defining the act of Mesira. Now, Let's talk about the difference about Hagba versus Meshicha and so on. Hagba is considered to be the best Kenyan. Like you lift it up, you show total mastery, you're, you're totally controlling it and so on. Okay? Meshicha, less so. Now, there's a general presumption here, okay, that is that, um, that, we, we, that we could decide that, um, or in many cases we did sort of do decide that, um, that you must do a better Kenyan if it's possible and not a weaker one, okay? So if I'm going to say that Hagba is a reasonable thing to request, you know, from a Behemadaka, I might actually say, like, only Hagba, not Mishikha. Hagba, right? I'm now, on the other hand, I might say, no, 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 Hagba is like, I'm not saying you can't lift it up a sheep, of course you would be Kona, but like, fundamentally, I'm going to see that that's not really a normal type of a Kenyan, like, that's not the most viable, and I'm going to emphasize Mishikha. So, for example, look at Rashi, okay, take a look at Rashi, Rashi says, Hagba, Rashi says, the Loba Mishikha. Okay, so there's a presumption that you ha- what we have to do is we have to identify a hierarchy of kinyanim. Okay, which is the stronger one? Which one demonstrates more ownership? And the importance of demonstrating a hierarchy is is that if I say if I'm going to be a, come along and say it's kona behagba, what I'm going to mean is only hagba. It's way also a way of like parsing my words. I'm going to mean only hagba and not things that are lower on the on the list. Okay, because there's a presumption that there's a hierarchy. If I say Mashiacha, I mean even Mashiacha, okay? So the debate of Mashiacha versus Hagba is, of course, Hagba would demonstrate 
Okay, but the question is, since Hasbara is possible, is Mashiach enough to demonstrate? Or are we always going to demand Hasbara? So it's always going to be a question to identify what's the hierarchy. So when the Chachamim say, um, when, when, the, when it says Daka Behagba, it means not Mashiach, and the Chachamim say Mashiach means even Mashiach, okay? So that's one issue. So the question within this, the big, part of the big next question in the Tosis is, where does Mesira fit on this list? Okay? Presumably Hagba is always the biggest, best. So if I can manage to lift up a cow, okay, <laughs> and we'll discuss that in a minute, everybody will yeah, say I it's guess. okay. But, I, but, I, but nobody says you need, or nobody that we've seen, we'll see in a minute in the Gemara, says you need Hagba by Behemagasa. But what it does say is, is that you need Mesira by Behemagasa. Can I do Meshicha? Which is higher on the list? When I say Mesira, do I mean even Mesira or only Mesira? Is that clear, the question here? Okay. So let's take a look at the Gemara. Darish Rav the Kimchunya, Rav gave a drush in this place, Kimchunya, Behemagasa Niknis Bemeshicha. You do it with Meshicha. Okay, now, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, uh, I'm sorry, let's see another line. So, Ashkichinu Shmuel Tamidi de Rav. So, Shmuel found the student of Rav. Amalu, he said to them, Miyama Rav Behemagasa Niknis Meshicha. Did Rav really say Meshicha? Banan Bemesira Tznan. Our mission says Mesira. Rav Nami Mesira Amar. And Rav also was known to say Mesira. So what's he doing saying Meshicha? So the Gemara says, Hadar Be'i You know what? He retracted his position. He stopped saying Mesira. He started saying Mesira. Now, I would, we just need to pause for a moment and say, which one includes the other? Right? Which is higher on the list? So if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, Hard, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, not Rashi yet. Not the Rashi. I'm sorry. Let's go back to Gemara. I'm sorry. And I misread that last line. So Gemara says, "How did they he?" So did he Rav? Re- so this is just Shmuel talking. Did Rav retract his position and stop saying that he that a behemagas is misira? So Gemara says, "No." Who the Amar Kiyaitana? He says like the following Tana. The Tanya we turn to Brisa the Chachamim only. Like, so Rav said, what about our Mishnah? So Rav said, like, the following Tana. The Tana, we turn to the Brisa. The Chachamim Omin, Zovizoniknis for Mashiach. Both Gasa and Daka are with Mashiach. The Pshimon Omer, Zovizobahagbah. Both are with Hagbah. Now, we're going to get to a minute about how do you do Hagbah by a, by a cow. Okay? So, but again, by Hagbah clearly means only Hagbah, because Hagbah is the top of the hierarchy. What still isn't clear, though, is this debate of the Hemagasa, Mesira or Mashicha, which one includes the other? Okay? So, if you take a look at Rashi, uh, where is the Rashi? Um, oh, it's the Rashi on the Mishnah. I'm sorry, it's the Rashi on the Mishnah. Nikdis bin Mesira, look at Rashi on the Mishnah. Okay, so Rashi says Mesira is higher on the hierarchy. If you say Mesira, you mean not Mesira. Now, why is Mashiach not as good, says Rashi? Very interesting. Because you don't make the animals walk in front of you. Think about it. Right? You lead a cow and you lead a horse. But, if you're, but with goats and sheep, you're walking behind and you're pushing them in front. Now, if you ask me, I find this Rashi fascinating. I always thought Mashiach meant I'm drawing them to me, that right. I'm leading. Right. So Rashi says, no, you know why Mashiach doesn't work? Because fundamentally Mashiach is that you're behind them and making them move forward, which is so un- how I normally think about Mashiach. Anyway, what's important, though, is Rashi says that when it says Mesira, it means Mesira, not Mashiach. Okay, so when the debate is whether Behemagas is Mesira, do we mean Mesira and not Mashiach? Tosa says different. Tosa says Mashiach is much better, right? If you think about it, Tosa makes sense. Mesira, you're just holding on to something. Mashiach, you do more. You move the animal. So everybody agrees Mashiach works. The question is, do we allow Mesira to work by a Behemagasa? Since it's such a big animal, they are more stationary, you know, sheep, you, you know, move much more quickly or whatever. You know, so do, the question is, do we allow Mesira to work by a big animal? So that's one, right, that's one debate. In all these times when somebody says X, does X mean even X, or does X mean X and not Y? Okay, which is considered to be the more obvious one. All right. Now, in theory, sometimes I should say it's not necessarily a hierarchy. Like somebody could be of the position that by behemoth daka only mashicha, not mesira, by behemoth gaza only mesira, not mashicha, right? And that somehow it's like because it's not meaningful. You don't hand over reins of a sheep. 
So it's not because one is better or worse, it's that it's not meaningful. Some things are more meaningful by one and more meaningful by the others, so things to be mutually exclusive. Mashiach could be not Mashiach and Mashiach not Mashiach. But anyway, in general, we assume a hierarchy. And there's the debate of Rashi and Tosos is, when we're debating Mashiach by Behemoth Gasa, according to Rashi, it means Mashiach and Mashiach won't work. And for Kursus, it means even Mashiach will work by a Behemoth Gasa, by a large animal. Okay, so that's another debate. Now, the final thing is a position that even a Behemoth Gasa requires Hagbah. Clearly, Hagbah is at the top of the hierarchy. So the one who says Hagbah, who said Hagbah, uh, uh, Rabbi Shimon says you can only do Hagbah. So how are you going to do Hagbah by a cow or by a horse? And the Gemara has an even better question, and we'll end with this, and now we have, we'll have caught up, and this will be fun. So, Masdifla Rav Yosef, so Yosef asked them this. Elamiyata Peel, Rabbi Shimon, Yikta, how would you be Conan an elephant? So, so Elamiyabaye, all right, that you wouldn't do Agba, Bechalipin. You'd do that with a Kenyan Suda. Inami, Besokas Makomo, or you'd rent the space and you'd do it with a Kenyan Chatzar. Okay, you're right. Some animals, you wouldn't be able to do Agba, you'd have to do something else. Rabbi Zeir Amar, maybe Arbakalim, Unikan Tachas Raglav. You put four like things, like on a circuit, and you have it step on the stools. Now, that, that could have meant that that made it, that was Agba. You caused it to rise up. Gemara doesn't understand that. It thinks you're being Kone because it's on your Kli. And your Kli works as a type of a Chatzar. So even though it's not in your Kli, it's on your Kli. So the Gemara says like this. So would you say your vessels are Kona even in the other person's property? Because presumably the, the elephant was in the original owner's property. So, and here it's on your vessels. So does that work? No. No. The elephant is in an alleyway. Okay. So, and your tailing worked in an alleyway. Inami, or if that doesn't work, the Chavile's Moros. Now, that's like, that's like, a, what's that? Like, uh, 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 well, well, it means like bundles of vines. Now, Rashi says what it means is you make a little bundle and it walks on top of it. So for Rashi, that's, that means that that's like a type of Hagbah, which is interesting. Yeah. You didn't physically lift it up, but you did something to make it rise up, and Rashi says it would have to go three Tfachim off the ground. It's an interesting debate. It's Hagbah one Tfachim or three Tfachim. Tosus has a much better answer. Tosus says, no, 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 this is elephant food. So you hang the things high up, <laughs> and it jumps up to get it, but and it goes off again. What? Yeah, I know. I know, they can be on their hind legs. So is that enough that they lift part of the body of and the other thing is with Tosfos is that is that it's not clear in the end you didn't why does that make it better you still didn't physically lift it you caused it to rise up how is that different than causing it to walk on top of something anyway those are the, you know that, so, but that is an interesting debate again and this is the question about the hierarchy do we have one minute we have one minute so I want to just read one line of Tosfos which is a hilarious line I can't I, still, I learned this when I was like 17 or something I can't, still can't forget this line in Tosfos there's a question about let's say you're in a certain type of a, there's a debate of Rishonim in a certain case, you're in a certain type of a Rishos. Normally we paskin, let's say we paskin, you, you know, both Mashiach and Hagbah will work. There's a certain approach that, well, if you can do Hagbah, Mashiach won't work. You have to do the better one. Even if we paskin both work, if one, if both are possible, oh, this is your room? Okay, fine. Give me ten seconds. He says you have to do the better one. So Tosa says, Boitz wrote the Rashbam and says, so, which is like a great line. Anyway, I'll talk about it more tomorrow. We gotta go. Okay.